on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. But keep in mind, I think it's going to begin largely with what type of business that it is. Selecting the correct legal form for your business will yield benefits in a variety of ways. An author of a new book tells you how to be a disruptive force in business. And in our business profile segment, you'll hear about a rural grocery store that is using old methods in a brand new way. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of April 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Normally, you would have filed your income taxes by now. For the second consecutive year, both the state and federal governments have extended the deadline for filing personal tax returns, primarily due to the pandemic and related factors. We often have stress associated with filing both personal and business tax returns, but there are some things you can do now proactively that will benefit you in the future. Gordon Fisher is an attorney with the Gordon Fisher Law Firm based in Cedar Rapids. We talked about business and taxes when we connected by Zoom on Wednesday, April 14th. Well, let me begin with the concept of self-care, which throughout the pandemic, people have repeatedly talked about this concept of self-care. And I think people have often quoted airlines when we used to travel quite regularly, and hopefully we're getting back to that again. You'll notice that at the outset, when people show you how to put on your oxygen mask, they're always put on your own oxygen mask before trying to help someone else. And before businesses try to help other folks through charitable deductions or volunteering or in-kind contributions, the first thing they want to do is make sure that they have taken care of themselves. By which I mean, make sure that you have the right business organization, whether it's a partnership, an LLC, an S-Corp, a C-Corp, the alphabet soup of corporate entities, make sure that you've sat down with a corporate lawyer, perhaps a corporate accountant, and make sure that you've set up the right organization that gives you the biggest bang for the buck in terms of tax liability, in terms of legal liability, and so on. So that is the first thing. Make sure that you've engaged in self-care. Make sure you've taken the time to pick the right entity. Also, people sometimes tend to not spend much time on articles of incorporation or bylaws, which go along with setting up your uh, preferred type of business. And that's something you should, again, engage a professional in helping you with, both a corporate lawyer and probably a tax accountant, so that you make sure that the rules for your business are very properly set out. I've already used the uh, flight oxygen mask example. Let me use another metaphor, and that is you don't want to build this great, big, beautiful mansion on a bad foundation. You want to start with a really solid foundation where you put a lot of thought into the business entity. You put a lot of thought into the rules your business will go by, which is to say the articles of incorporation and bylaws. And so everything is set. And when you build that great, beautiful mansion, it's on a good foundation. 
And there's something tied to that, and I'm so glad you mentioned it in that way, because it's easy for us to understand. So I have a house, it's on a foundation, but if I don't inspect the foundation to make sure there are no cracks, there are no deficiencies, etc., then that beautiful mansion is going to cave in. And so even though you may set up a business form, well, at some point it might make sense to make it a limited liability company or an S-Corp. And I can think back 60-some years where one of my family's businesses, it was a regular old C-Corp. Because your choices at that time were simply sole proprietorship or C-Corp. And after 20 years, C-Corp made no sense because there were so many other forms that they should have converted the business. Similarly here, the, the business format, for lack of a better phrase, that you employ to start, that needs a little care and feeding and revision over time potentially as well. You're absolutely right, Jeff. It's very good, but not necessarily sufficient to have a wonderful foundation when you start out. You're right. After three, five, 10, 20 or more years, you'll want to inspect that foundation. So you want to go back to that corporate lawyer. You want to go back to that accountant and say, okay, you've been operating on this foundation for a while as uh, this type of business entity, but now we're doing business in a different way, or the laws have changed, or the regulations have changed, or we've added on a bunch of new product lines or services, or we've added on a new partner, we brought in people, new ownership interests, all of those things, what now makes the most sense for our business entity? Maybe it was a partnership, but now it's a C-Corp, or it can be any number of things. Uh, the point is your business is unique, and you'll want to really look at very carefully how you set it up. And just in the time since you and I were in law school, there have been different forms developed. The list is much longer, in other words, than when we may have gone to school. And so even though it was perfect for someone at a time, again, new options, new everything, revisions. A lot of businesses are known for trying to help their communities and they make donations. They may make a charitable donation to an entity they may not expect anything for it, but it may have some naming right. I mean, these are big, proper donations. You can make smaller ones as well. Is it more for the business? They're running it through and, and deducting it as a marketing or advertising expense when they donate to a nonprofit, a 501c3, as opposed to how an individual would handle a monetary donation, let's say. Yeah, there is definitely a difference between an individual making a charitable donation and a business making a charitable donation. An individual is going to have lots of different options, ways to go about it, and so is a business. But keep in mind, I think it's going to begin largely with what type of business that it is. In both cases, whether it's a business or an individual, one interesting thing to look at is community foundations. So every community in Iowa has a community foundation, just like the University of Iowa has a foundation, Mercy Hospital has a foundation, communities have their own foundations. And you'll want to check with your local community foundation, but many of them have, in fact, nearly all of them, I believe, have what is called a donor advised fund. And those can be started out by both individuals or businesses or both. And that may be a good way to really keep organized 
your contributions, whether you're making them from the personal side or the business side. Additionally, those community foundations, because they receive investments from all over the community, they may have a very large sort of endowment and they're able to pass along profits and your money, essentially your charitable set aside money can be invested by the community foundation and it could actually increase over time when you park it in a community foundation. So you'll want to visit your local community foundation to find out how it works specifically, but something for both individuals and businesses to keep in mind are donor advised funds through an Iowa community foundation, who's ever in your particular area. Gordon Fisher is a Cedar Rapids-based attorney. His practice focuses on charitable giving and overall planning. More at gordonfisherlawfirm.com. Fisher is spelled F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Still to come, a rugged entrepreneur shares tips. And we'll hear about a couple who are dedicated to keeping rural grocery stores alive. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, online at iwrc.uni.edu. You can get monthly updates from the IWRC on regulatory matters, industry news, upcoming events, and more. They come straight to your inbox, and you can sign up at iwrc.uni.edu. Scott Andrew and his wife Daphne have built more than 30 different national and international businesses, and he shares ideas in a new book, The Rugged Entrepreneur, What Every Disruptive Business Leader Should Know. I asked him to define disruptive business. It is very dynamic. Too many people use the term disruptive and innovative in today's world, and they can mean similar things. But it's somebody who engages in their space or their marketplace in such a way that it makes a, a positive impact it, it for that company or that part of that company that dynamically changes the customer's ability to succeed with a value proposition. At least that's disruptive the way we've applied it to businesses that we scale, either in a franchise sense or in a non-franchisable sense. We disrupt in a way that changes the value proposition for the customers You so uniquely in the industry that the place that it touches grows dynamically faster than the normal growth in that industry. I call that seeing around the corner. Mm-hmm. You have to know your your possibilities so well that you can see around the corner so as to avoid a problem or solve a problem. COVID is a perfect example of that. Did your company, whether it's local, regional, or national, like Boxdrop, what did it do last year? Did it thrive? Did it just survive? Or did it not make it? And that's a tough story. And you don't, I don't like a story about any entrepreneur not making it. About 55% don't make it to a fifth year. So it's a tough, that's why I call it rugged. You're, you've got to be rugged just to make it past that fifth year. But last year was a great litmus test. Chaos always opens an equal door of opportunity for the people who are looking to see it that way. You've got to get humble. You've got to be humble with a healthy sense of pride. It's one of the chapters on 
foundational skills in my book. If you're not humble, Jeff, you won't be teachable and you won't be coachable. Those are two different things. Teachable is the the nuances of expertise and mechanics that you need to learn and always be constantly learning. Coachable is the energy of inspiration and, and leaning into things. So you have to be, to be a rugged entrepreneur, very coachable, very teachable. You need to access a mastermind or an advisory board group that actually has done things that you haven't had a chance to yet and, and be very deeply honest with them. Let them critique you. Let them tell you the worst things they see. And you, you literally start learning that you're going to have to do that. And you start a business in one place and it may very well end up in a totally different place. You know, IBM started out making meat slicers. It's a good thing they were willing to see around the corner and pivot. Today, they're a big consulting company. And in the middle of that, they were computers. Scott Andrews' book is The Rugged Entrepreneur, What Every Disruptive Business Leader Should Know. Learn more at ruggedentrepreneur.com. Coming up, a mission to keep a vital part of rural Iowa in business. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Panther Biz HQ. UNI students working with small businesses to advance or create dynamic social media presence. Learn more at IASourceLink.com. One of the foundations of a strong community is a series of essential businesses, and one of those is a grocery store that can provide fresh food to consumers. But keeping those stores going can be difficult. Theo Ramsey of Ramsey's Market in the southwest Iowa town of Lenox is dedicated to keeping that community's tradition alive and growing. We purchased Ramsey's Market about six years ago in Lenox, Iowa. And since then, we've built up a hardware store in Lenox, Ace Hardware, and we purchased another grocery store in Manning last year. So two grocery stores and a hardware store. And our latest initiative called Fresh Out of the Box is a delivery, grocery and hardware delivery to rural communities that currently don't have a grocery store in town. That is really a problem, is it not, to have the financial ability for a store to be vibrant in a small town, yet it is such a vibrant part of all of these communities. Absolutely. It is such an important part of keeping a rural community thriving and alive and being able to attract and keep their great people and businesses. We just feel that we are called to help in this scenario. We just happen to be in this industry and we're like, hey, we see this problem all around rural and uh, what can we do about it? And that's how it came about. And you purchased an existing food center, Cheese's Food Center by name, that had been there for a hundred years. So what is it that you're able to do to take it into this next, if you will, generation or this next era? Because times in Lenox, Iowa are different in 2021 than they were when that store first opened in 1895. Absolutely. Times have certainly changed. Shopping habits have changed. Society has changed. And we've been looking for that way to keep the small town experience great, but also adjusting to people's new shopping habits as well as trying to address things like COVID that have come up (laughs) and, you know, things will keep on changing. And we're just trying to adjust to, to keep that experience, that hometown rural experience alive and great. 
We've talked to people on this program, a restaurant in particular I can think of, where they couldn't have anybody in, so they took the food to area communities. And it sounds like you're doing something very similar with a delivery program. Tell me how that came about and how did you get to where you wanted to be? A lot of people have plans, but they were forced to hurry up those plans because of COVID. Well, that's exactly what happened with us. We've been talking about this delivery idea for over three years, and it wasn't until COVID hit that it kind of sped up the need for it. You know, the basic setup for us is we'll be delivering from our rural grocery store to communities. We'll set up a refrigerated locker. It's got frozen doors and refrigerated doors so they can get the full gamut of things that they would normally get at a grocery store. And um, we'll just deliver from Lenox out to their community. We're, we're very close to kicking off. And this is a family undertaking. You're not in this by yourself by any stretch. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My wife, Bonnie, and I are full blast, 100% focused on this. We recognize that um, this is a huge need and also the way that things are going in the world. So it takes all of our attention and energy to try to put together this new setup. And it's not just us. It's our awesome team at the stores that are day in, day out, taking care of local customers to keep things rolling. So Bonnie and I can start reaching out to these other communities. It's certainly a team effort. It really does change, doesn't it, Theo, the concept of we've always done it this way. Because what you're doing is saying to people there in southwest Iowa, well, we'd love to have you come to the store, but for a variety of reasons, you may not be comfortable. Transportation may be an issue. Frankly, age might be an issue. And you're offering an entirely new service. And again, it just it just turns the paradigm upside down, doesn't it, of how we are used to going and gathering our food from a, a supermarket. You bet. And it's, it's interesting because it's very new and it's also a throwback as well. So obviously it's new because we're using technology to enable this all to happen. But at the same time, it's kind of a throwback. I've heard many communities say, you know, their old grocer, they would just call him up and he'd meet him out at the car and throw him in the trunk. And that's basically what we're doing. We're just reimagining all of that a little bit. And we're rural and that's who we're taking care of. So we're totally locked into taking care of our, our rural residents. Well, some of us, me, for example, are old enough to remember when you didn't get milk from the grocery store, the milkman came and delivered it twice or three times a week. And so this is something that, again, for some of us is pretty familiar, but we've gotten well out of it. This is a need, obviously, and you obviously have a great team. You also have some backing from the Iowa Economic Development Authority because they have realized that unless there's some initiative taken in the rural areas, we're going to have a real problem. Talk about how that all came about and and what benefit that's been for you. The Iowa Economic Development Authority has been awesome. We've gotten two grants from them, and it's been exactly what was needed in order to make this project go. It didn't cover the entire amount of the entire project by any means, but it was a significant amount and was literally the catalyst that got the ball rolling. Because when you have a backing from an agency like that, and we realize, okay, this is a serious deal. And when you're talking to communities, it's a lot different, just silly old me showing up to your community and being like, hey, we think this is a great idea versus coming with some some support behind you. What is the biggest challenge, do you think, that 
you and your wife are going to face running this operation, say, in the next five years? Obviously, no one anticipated COVID. But just generally, from your plan, as you look at the greatest challenges to tremendous success, what comes to mind? What are the things that that are on your list that you need to watch for? Well, probably the biggest things are competition. I'm certain that this won't be a wide open space. I mean, there's already competition. People shop different places already now. But we're hoping to bring a new level of convenience to these communities that they haven't had in a while. The other is unforeseen. Nobody anticipated COVID and who knows what's going to come down the pipes next. And so we just need to remain flexible and vigilant and do our best to take care of everybody. So what drives you to do this? This is not easy work. People want a grocery store open a lot of time in a given week. So this is no eight to five job that you have. What drives you and Bonnie to do this? Well, food is such a personal thing. People take food and they put it in their bodies and it's very important to people. It's such an important part of everybody's life. Their own personal nutrition, the social aspect of getting together and eating. We take that very seriously. We know that if a grocery store goes away, that just becomes more challenging. You have to travel. It's just a lot more difficult. And having that food in town is just a part of the community. And we feel so passionately that our communities need this. They need fresh food available to them in their community. We're just going to do everything that we can to keep that going and bring it back for those that have lost it. Theo Ramsey of Ramsey's Market in Manning and Lenox, Iowa. We connected via Zoom on Wednesday, April 21st. Learn more about their services at ramseysmarket.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including Google, Apple, and Stitcher. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.